Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Glean Podcast, the fastest hour of the week is what I like to call it. We hope everybody's had a blessed week, but uh, tonight, uh, the topic that I want to discuss is, uh, I think, a question a lot of people have in the back of their mind is, will the church survive? Um, We're living in an an end-time era or an age that is flooded with hazards and dangers uh, in every every turn, not just in the world, but even in the church. And only those that live by the Word of God and understand the true power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe these will be the ones that will escape the peril or the, the devastation that's, that's here, that's here now, but is to come. And it's that power of the Holy Spirit, the leading and guiding of that, that will help us confront this last day generation with the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And this is why I believe it is of utmost importance that you attend a church that adheres um, to the uncompromised teaching of the Word of God. Uh, you know, we have a lot of a lot of people uh, want to go to a church and they they judge a church by uh, the appearance, how modern is it? Uh, how many people attend there? A lot of people like to go to a church because of the notoriety of the pastor or, or how maybe his celeb status, you want to call it. But at the same time, I believe there's still a, a, a group of people, there's still a, a what I like to call a remnant of people that are saying, I need more. I, I know that God is good, and I know that, that, you know, like some of these cliche sayings that different pastors have, but, you know, it's it, they're just feeding milk. And I believe, you know, we, we discussed that a little, I believe, last week, was how that when we were babes, we, we desire the sincere milk. But as we get older, we need the meat. And I believe there's a, a group of people that are looking for the meat of God's Word, and they're looking around at churches now, and you know we have uh, we have churches that that don't really have a, a ready answer for people. Well, you just you just have to trust God. Well, well I know that you got to trust God. I mean, that's that's the whole basis of salvation is we believe that Jesus died on the cross. That that is us trusting God. But we need to know more about trusting God so that it it helps strengthen our faith. And, you know, I, I know that there are some people that have said, will the church survive when you look at the, the lockdowns that, that our nation or the whole world went through? Uh, there are a lot of churches that, that closed their doors and they still have not opened them. They, they shut the church down. Uh, so, you know, yeah, those churches didn't survive. But, you know, tonight we'll be talking a little bit individually at, of, about different churches, but yet we'll be also talking about the church as a whole because the Word of God says we're one body. Uh, the church is one body. We being members make up different parts of the body. But the first scripture that I want to look at is uh, found in Ephesians, or not Ephesians, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 16. And it's a very familiar passage of Scripture 
that we'll be looking at. We'll start with verse 13. And it says, 1 Peter chapter 16, starting with verse 13, it said, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so they answered and said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Blessed, or he said, You are Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now here's the verse that we're going to focus on tonight. And he said, I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then, just because I like verse 19, it goes right with it. We're going to read that too. But it says, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The, the text here, a lot of times people misunderstand, but when Jesus said that he was calling Simon, he was changing his name to Peter. And then he said, on this rock, well, we know that Peter means rock. And a lot of times I think people have misunderstood that, that he didn't build the church on Peter. He built the church on the revelation knowledge of who he is. And the only way you can truly know who Jesus is, is you have to read the word of God. You have to understand the word of God. And through the leading of the Holy Spirit, he will reveal to you who Christ truly is. And um, Ephesians 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 20 here it says, having built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole world or the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And that's what we build on. He is the revel when we have the revelation knowledge of who he is, he is the chief cornerstone. And I think a lot of churches have tried to build church, but they've tried to build the church and and but at the same time get off of the cornerstone and not be solid on the cornerstone, maybe, maybe just build a little on the edge. We, we want Jesus, but, but we want growth, and, and we want the large church. And, you know, the, the, a lot of the new churches and a lot of these bigger churches are, uh, uh, I, I don't want to say the word, I, I'll try to go around, the, 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 the churches that are no longer asleep, there's a word for that, uh, but that's what we're calling a lot of people that uh, are going with these crazy ideologies. Um and, you know, they're, they're going in that direction or either they go to a church where they're taught this hyper grace message, which, you know, we have discussed that a few different times about 
how that they believe that once you ask Jesus into your heart, that he's covered you past, present, and, and any future sins. And, and we know that what he did on the cross covers our sins, but we also know through the scripture that we have to ask for forgiveness when we commit a sin. We have to, to go to him and repent of that sin. And when you get off of the foundation, when you get off of that chief cornerstone, the revelation knowledge of who Jesus is, then it, it becomes a church that is not stable. And when a crisis arises and things like we see nowadays happening in the world, uh, people want answers. And when that church can't give them that answer, they'll begin to look. You know, we have churches uh, that are promoting uh, agendas from politicians that don't even line up with the Word of God. You know, when a church allows uh, a political figure to stand in its pulpit and and the pastor say, hey, I support this person, um, if that person stands for abortion, for homosexuality, for the LGBTQ, LMNPQRSTV, whatever letters they've got today, when they begin to stand for those things, they are no longer built on the foundation of the revelation knowledge of who Jesus is. Because if you understand who Jesus is, those things he are, he's against. He's not for those things. So when you, you have a uh, foundation that is not built properly, whatever you're trying to build is going to tilt. It's going to lean because you can't stand up straight because you're not building on that solid foundation. And I, I looked up something today, and I thought this was very interesting. And uh, in night or not 19, I'm sorry, in Italy in 1172, architects began to construct the Tower of Pisa. They miscalculated the depth needed for its foundation. And because of this miscalculation, the tower started to noticeably lean as early as 1178. To remedy the problem, a decision was made to compensate for the tilt of the building by building its upper floors with one side taller than the other. But each, with each um, subsequent floor, the tower leaned more off-center and further off-balance. The Leaning Tower of Pisa is a perfect example of what will happen when anything is built on a flawed foundation. And the reason I, I wanted to read that to you is there was two things that stood out to me that they did here. And those two things were, one... It says that they miscalculated the depth needed for its foundation. And you see, when you look at some churches, uh, I believe some of them has miscalculated the cost. And they've, they've backed off of some certain things that the Word of God specifically and blatantly speaks against They've miscalculated and backed off of those things so that they can grow that church because they're more about the number than and, and the quantity than they are the quality. And when I say that, what I mean is 
we're supposed to create disciples. Uh, a church should should disciple its people, and we should produce or push back out into the world a quality person rooted and grounded in the word and not just quantity. Hey, Wes, I got something here. I am just want to let you know that for the viewing audience that predominantly the United States of America, the churches at capacity are at a hundred members and under that's right. the largest portion of the churches in mm-hmm. America. Yeah. It's uh, the mega churches only really represent about 1% of the church, but yet they're dictating to the rest of the churches in America, yeah. how they should work, function and act because they're the big church. They, yeah. they feel like they've made it. Yeah. But again, if you look at statistics, they've only impacted the the area in which they're involved in less than 1%. Right. Which just goes to tell you they're not touching as many people as you think they are. And and they're so large that it's hard for them to, to have relationships with each and every person. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm all for a church growing. And and I know I know churches that have grown rather large. And they do not compromise the word of God. Um, they're not as large as some of these mega churches. But when you look at uh, some of these larger mega churches, you know, they're promoting things that are absolutely against the word of God. They're promoting people that support an antichrist agenda. So I believe that they, they have miscalculated uh, because they're growing. And then the other thing it said was after they miscalculated about the depth of the foundation, it says concerning the Tower of Pisa that a decision was made uh, to compensate. And then here's the whole other problem is some of these people have begun to grow large and they got these large crowds but when they begin to preach the truth of God's word, when they begin to preach against homosexuality, when they begin to stand against abortion, uh, you know, same-sex marriage, those things, they begin to lose people. Well, when you begin to lose people, now you're losing income and you're losing money. When they started losing money, they made a decision to compensate the word of God. They d- made a decision to say, well, we'll preach this but we're not going to preach this. And if we preach this, we're going to preach it this way so that we still can uh, retain our membership and people can come in because we just want people to experience the true love of God and then let God change them. Well, I understand that God's the one that does the changing, but God's not going to change a person that does not want to be changed. And if we preach a gospel that allows them to be comfortable in their sin or continue to live in that sin, they're not going to want to change. So that was the two things that I really wanted to bring out at the beginning of the podcast was that these churches that are are teaching a hyper-grace or wokeism or whatever you want to call it, these churches, unless they repent and begin to teach the word of God, the revelation knowledge of who Jesus is, then that, that church, those parts of what is the whole church, you'll begin to see falling away and shutting their doors because as things grow dark, as things get darker, 
People are looking for real answers, not just a, a Band-Aid fix. And you see, Jesus, when you follow Jesus and you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, he will never give you a Band-Aid fix for a problem. He is the fix for the problem. And a lot of times our churches have, have tried to give you a Band-Aid fix because we don't want to upset somebody. We, we don't want to, well, you know, we don't want to offend them. They may leave. Well, according to the Word of God, <coughs> Jesus said, I am the rock of offense. Well, here's the newsflash. If you're living in sin and you think that that sin's okay, if you follow Jesus long enough, his word, his teaching will offend you until you repent of that sin, see the, the way, the wrong in your ways, and begin to do right. And, you know, I think I've had a discussion with several people lately, and, you know, I try to talk about what's going on in the world and you know, I've even got to the point sometimes where I, I, I feel a frustration because I'm like, how can they not see? How do they not understand the crisis that this world as a whole is facing? Uh, you know, we're, we're, we could be possibly on the brink of war. Uh, we, we have fuel shortages coming. There's food shortages. People are already talking about how expensive uh you know, food is, and people's trying to decide whether, well, are we going to be able to uh, afford to even have Thanksgiving dinner because everything has just went up exponentially to the point that people are having to make decisions about life that they've never had to make before. And a lot of churches are not giving them the correct answers because they don't know them themselves because they've they've got so far away from what God's word says you know uh, even as far as it tithing you know a lot of these newer uh churches and even some you know we've had recently uh good ministers that have taught great teachings on tithing have come out <coughs> and said now that well they they taught wrong and they don't believe in tithing well, my question is, what you going to do in a few years when your ministry's going broke and your church people struggling because you, you, you quit teaching tithing and now God can't bless their finances? You know, I, I thank God. Uh, it's kind of like you talked about Sunday, Josh, that, you know, our church has taught tithing when it, when it was, uh, you know, not popular. That's not something we, we people wanted to hear. But when you give that 10%, you're securing your 90. And, and I believe that, you know, it's the people that understand the tithing and tithing to the church that secures their finances even through these hardships. So when it comes time to, to spend money, you don't have to, well, am I going to have to, can I, can I get this or am I going to have to afford this or I can't afford that, but maybe we can do this. If you're paying tithes, God said he'd supply all of your need. Yep. You know, and I think that that's something that we have to take an account of is is where you're going to church and and the church that you're going to are they giving you hope? Are they giving you a note of victory? Are they encouraging you? Do you feel like when you leave the church, you know, I tell you, if you leave a church on Sunday and think, my God, how are we going to make it? I don't know if we're going to get through this week. 
I, the devil's just beating us up. You know, for some reason, there are some people that believe that the devil somehow has more power than the church. And, and you know, when you go back and look at our opening scripture, Matthew 16, he said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So the church as a whole, no, this church will never be defeated. Satan in no way, shape, or form will ever be able to overpower the true church. The problem is that the true church, sometimes people are mistaken and getting mixed up with what I call the false church or the storefront church, um, where it looks good from the outside, but when you get on the inside, they're not teaching the meat. They're just serving. It's like a big daycare center, you know, and we just want to, we just want everybody to know that Jesus loves them. And that's all. As long as we let people know that Jesus loves them, that's all that matters. And people are not being taught how to stand on the word of God and how to live a life without fear and how to live a life without worry. You see, when you begin to operate in fear and you begin to operate in worry, it is almost as if an, it's an indictment against God's will for your life. It's an indictment against the, the finished work that Jesus did on the cross. So, you know, I'm happy with, with this church. I mean, we, we've grew up, you know, uh, with sound doctrine here. If you've come here at any length of time, any minister that preaches out of this pulpit here is going to preach faith. They're going to encourage you. They're going to teach tithing. We're going to preach healing. We're going to preach the doctrines and the, the principles and the message of Jesus Christ. And we don't care who don't like it. We're going to preach the gospel. And, you know, one of the sad things is a lot of people in churches were so busy running around worrying about pleasing a person. Can we make these people happy? You know, if, if we could get that person to come to church. But in reality, if you just do the works of Jesus and if you'll serve in your church, God will bless you because at the end of the day, when you stand before God, you're going to stand before God all alone. All those people that you were so uh, enamored by and you just, oh, I've got to go to that church because of them. And, oh, if we could get those people in our church and we need to let them do what they want because we don't want to lose them. Those people are not going to be standing beside you when you stand before God and you're judged. You're going to be there by yourself. Not your spouse, not your kids, not your pastor, not anybody. You stand before God alone, and he will hold you accountable for what you did with the teachings of his son, Jesus. What did you do to promote his son? Because that is the, if you teach Jesus, people will understand how to survive in these perilous times and how when things get bad, they know that they've got a rock that they can stand on. You know, I'm, I'm also reminded of the parable where it talks about the man that built his house on the rock and the man that built his house on the sand. When the storm come, the man's house that was on a rock was stable. It was secure, and the winds beat, and the rains came, the floods came, but the house stood. But the man that built his house on the sand, when the winds came and when the, the rains came and the floods come, his house fell apart. Why? Because sand is not sturdy. 
See, anything built that's not built on the rock is constantly shifting. It has to shift with narratives and what's good today might not be good tomorrow. Uh, you know, I, I've watched this, what, what they like to call cancel culture, uh, till they've almost come around to the point now that they're about to cancel themselves. Why? Because what they're teaching, this cancel culture and, and all these ridiculous uh, demoralization of our nation, what they're teaching is not grounded in biblical principles. It's not grounded on the Word of God. And we have to be able to teach the younger generations because, you know, like we've said before, they're coming after churches and they're definitely coming after schools. They're trying to indoctrinate our children, and they're trying to teach our children to, uh, you know, to be acceptive of all these different things when parents, we should have that voice. That should be our our decision, not some school board that, that has these wild ideas or crazy agendas. We need to be the ones that have that voice. But we've got to have the Word of God to stand up. And when you stand on that word, I, the one thing I have noticed is the more I'm in his word, the more I know his word, the bolder I am. You know, and I know everybody says, well, I just, I just don't know if I can be that way. If you get in his word and you let the Holy Spirit lead you, you'll become bold whether you realize it or not because it just it comes out because you have stability to stand on. And, you know, I've often wondered, you know, how can you say that you love Jesus? How can you say that you you want to uh, serve him, but then say that healing's not for today? Or how can you say that, you know, uh, well, I love Jesus and he loves me just the way I am. I think everybody's probably heard that, and I've even heard churches preach this, you know, that, that we have to be, uh, all inclusive and we have to be loving of everybody. Well, sure, Jesus loves everybody. And because he does, we do. But my my question back is, I always answer their question with a question, is if you understand how much Jesus loves you, why do you want to stay the way you are? And you see, that's really the, when you get down to the the. I don't know, nuts and bolts of it, I guess you would say. People don't want to change. They get comfortable in their sin. They get comfortable in living life like they're living it. And for somebody to come in and tell them, no, what you're doing is wrong, well, oh, I don't, I don't want to change that. So let's go find a church or let's go find a group of people somewhere that will accept us like we are and tell us everything that we want to hear so that we can stay like we are but still think that we're going to heaven. And, you know, when we, we talk like that with people and, you know, I think, why, why, will they don't, why don't they understand? Uh, when you tell them, yes, Jesus loves you, but he don't love you, the sin, no, he created me just like I am. And, you know, I, I had pondered that, and I, as I was studying today, I, I went to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, and we'll flip to that right quick. Um, and I think this will put some light on why it seems like even Christians 
they're not getting it. That you know, you, you look around and you think, how are people not waking up to to what's going on, and why are people still seeming like they're just going to go on living like they want to live, and there's no change. <clears throat> but in Second Corinthians four. Starting at verse 4, it says, Whose mind the God of this age, which that God is little g, talking about Satan, he has blinded those who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, whom is the image of God, should shine on them. Now notice he said, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. And I, I started doing a word study on this particular scripture, and the Greek word for blinded, and I, trust me, I am not going to try to pronounce that Greek word, uh, but you can look it up if you want to, and you can pronounce it all you want. <clears throat> but the word blinded doesn't just mean blind, as in you can't see. It speaks of a person who is actually unable to see because they have been intentionally blinded by someone else. So <clears throat> it's one thing if you can't see because you're blind. It's a whole another thing if you can't see because of the actions of someone else has caused you now to be blind and can't see. So we see that in that scripture it says the God of this world has blinded man. See, Satan is causing people to not see the devastation that's going on. He is causing them to be blind to the works that are being done, and they're now, because they can't see the wrong in it, they're accepting of it. And that's how it's creeping into the church. And then if you go where it says, um, the Greek word for mind there, um, where it says, uh, whose minds the God of this world has blinded. You see, he's blinded, it's not your natural eye. He, we're talking more spiritual here or in your soul, but the Greek word for mind there, and again, I'm not going to pronounce that Greek word, but it speaks of thoughts, your reasoning, your opinions, your feelings, your beliefs, or your views. So you see, we're not here to send out hate to these churches or or not even churches, just people that are not seeing it right and that are misunderstanding. It's simply because Satan, they have allowed Satan to blind their spiritual eyes so that they do not see the truth. And now, I don't know if by hearing that, you know, when I begin to look that up, now I sit back and I realize, okay, now it makes sense why there's there's uh, some pastors out there that seem to be preaching this this wokeism or uh, hyper-grace thing. Why? It's because they cannot see the damage that it is doing to the body of Christ. They don't see it because they have been blinded. And, you know, Satan has intentionally blinded the ability to see things correctly and to see how things really are. And, you know... Uh, I don't know if you if you kind of look at that, Josh, you know, about when, when you look at that scripture and it talks about the mind and the, you know, how that your thoughts and reasonings, because he's blinded your, your mind or your thought process, 
you know, and it says that it affects their beliefs and views. Yeah, you know, I believe that to me, it gave me a different perspective of Second Corinthians four, verse four there. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think as long as as old as the Bible is, Satan's easiest attack is deception, right? Yeah, you know. Uh, how he can deceive us, how he can take us out of it. And so when that's crept into the church, then it, there's a different dichotomy um, to what it can do. And, and, and from a structurally standpoint, it, it starts getting down and deep into the foundations. And this is why it's dangerous to not, to, to align yourself as an individual or as a church member with something like that. Yeah. It's, it's contrary to the word of God. And so you have to, you have to understand what the word of God says for you, number one. And I'm just going to use this as an example because we talked about this re- briefly. It's tithing. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, all the people says, ah, it's not biblical. It's you know, Old Testament, not New Testament. But here's the part of it that I, I want to tell you that go ahead and discern this or change this, in my opinion, <laughs> is that as, as an act of worship. Yeah, it is an act of worship. Yeah. Yeah. So change my mind on that. Yeah. And then quit looking at the monetary value. Quit looking at mm-hmm. um at, at it going to a facility or to a building. I, I've always said this, once it leaves my hands, yeah, and I've I've looked at that, I've prayed over it, I thought about it, then it's not mine anymore. It's God's. Right. And I would if I were in front of him right now and I handed it to him, that's how that would work. That mm-hmm. transfers you know, for me to hand over that. So, so that's the, that's where we get into these gray areas. Uh, and I'll say, I'll go back to like just simple alignment. A simple alignment is just following really a basis of the 10 commandments. Mm-hmm. If, and, and our churches can't even do that. Yeah. We can't even align to, to the 10 commandments and, and what the word of God says and, and how that, how that works. If we would just do that now as a society, how would that change? I'm not just talking about the church, just as a society, how society would change. Oh yeah. But we're so, we're so invested in me and what's going on. And again, that's just the enemy's deceptiveness of, of trying to take us out of where we need to be at in the, you know, in the body of Christ and in the church. Yeah. And for, for, for anybody listening or, or doing this, I always find this. I always find Christians that always look as God can't finish the restoration process. And so they're con- consistently going back and, you know, they're always asking and beating themselves up. And I don't, you know, I don't know where they get it at but they just don't ever seem adequate enough whenever God says you're adequate. Right. It's like we got to re-crucify Jesus all over again for them to, to get themselves correct. Yeah. And so that's that's systematically, that's a problem. So where does that come from? That's come from teaching. Mm-hmm. Because we've poor mouthed the gospel. Yeah, exactly. You know, and 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 we need to know who we are in Christ and and have that relationship. And that's what can be foundational truths to help allow the church to continue to grow, to mature, and then for us not to be caught up in the what-ifs of the world and what everybody else is doing and how they're doing it and when they're doing it and everything like that. So I think there's just so much there that if we just go back to look at always as the enemy is always trying to deceive, that's, that's found in Genesis all the mm. way through. You know, and so if we can get out of that deceptiveness and then we can start just honing in on what the word of God says for us and over us, 
then this can change that dichotomy of how we're, we walk in that. And if that is implicable of the church as well. So it starts, it starts with me. And then it starts with you, Wes. Yeah. And then it starts with it starts with our our own congregations looking at themselves and say, "Hey, this thing starts with me, and I've got to do my portion, and I've got to do my part." Yeah. In, in, in sharing the gospel and and ministering the gospel and acting the gospel, um, and then I can be uh, I can be the foundations of that. So it starts with the individual and the heart, and allowing God to change them and transform them. Right. Yeah, and that's the thing. If you you know, if you look in Second Timothy chapter three, the first few verses there, it tells you exactly what to look for in the last days. It gives you the, I mean, you know, I used to watch cartoons, and uh, I don't know if some of y'all may remember. I think it was more on the the uh, Bugs Bunny and stuff, but somebody would be asking directions and they would be like 50 neon billboards with arrows pointing this way, you know, and then they'd be like, well, I still don't know where I'm going. But Jesus, in in the word here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he said, but know this, that in the last days, now there's the key, it's the last days, perilous times will come, which Perilous can mean harsh, savage, difficult, stressful, uh, grievous, fierce, hard to deal with. I think we could look at today's time and see that, excuse me, that all those words cover perilous. So I believe we're there. But here's the key thing. He says, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderer, with, uh, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Well, it's one thing to see all that in the world, but here... He says, if you see them, they have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. He's talking about people in the church. Yeah. Well, when you look back and you start seeing this, I mean, in the last days, it's all about me, 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 me. Everything, because we live in a selfish generation. Uh, we've been taught that through through years of... <laughs> you know, our media and all the different things is it's a selfish generation. It's, it's about I'll do for you, but if I do for you, what's in it for me? You know, what happened to the, the good old days where we just done things and we didn't need a pat on the back or a paycheck or, you know, some notoriety. We just done good because it felt good to do good. But he says that, you know, they'll be despisers of good when, when, when you look at uh, the things going on in this nation, how people are protesting certain people and and pushing against certain things, they're fighting against good. They're fighting against moral values that that have been since the foundations of the world. You know, that's one of the biggest quarrels I have with this is our society is trying to change the laws and change or the morals, but you can't because 
you're not a moral lawgiver. God is a moral lawgiver. If man sets the standard for morals, then then anybody could argue them because what is good for you may not be good for me, and what's good for me might not be good for you. So man cannot set those moral standards. It has to be a moral lawgiver, somebody of a higher authority. And you see in our society that they completely fight against that because they want to change that because it says that they're without self-control. I mean, our society has absolutely no self-control. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen here recently when you, I don't know if some of y'all notice that you go in a grocery store and uh, a little kid don't get what they want and you can hear them four hours over and I'm wanting to go over there and cram a can of soup in their mouth so they'll be quiet. But it's disrespectfulness because it's inside of them because of what society's teaching. If you look at some of the new shows, some of the best shows out there are highest rated. I won't say best because I don't, I don't watch them or like them. But these highest rated most watched shows are children being disrespectful to their parents. And, and when they smart mouth their parents, then in the background you hear an audience laughing like that's supposed to be funny. And we see all these things going on, and we know that the end is near. And then we wonder why some preachers are not are, are not preaching the truth. And here's you say, well, yeah, but they're just doing the best they can. No, no, no. And here's why. We'll go over to chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses, uh, we'll start with verse 2. Well, actually, we'll just start with verse 1, because this is you're being charged with this, but he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Now listen to verse two. This is for any preachers that's watching that don't know what to preach uh, because you don't know how people's going to accept it or if they're going to like it or dislike it. I, I'm going to give you exactly what the Bible says for that, and this will fix your problem. He says, preach the word. Now notice, he didn't say, preach your variation of the word. He didn't say, uh, preach somebody else's opinion of the word. Or only preach the parts of the word that won't offend anybody. I only preach the parts of the word that, that don't step on toes because we don't want to do that. I only preach the parts of the word that make people feel good. That ain't what he said. He said, preach the word, be ready in season and out. Now, here's what the word does when you preach the word. Not your version, but the word. It says it will convince, it will rebuke, it will exhort with all long suffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Now, there's where we're at. You see, we've got people that don't want to hear it, and because they don't want to hear it, it's, this is why these other preachers have come up. It says that they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own, what? Desires. Remember I said earlier, 2 Timothy chapter 3, those first few verses, it's all talking about self. Verse uh, 2 said, for men will be lovers of themselves. You see, that's their own desire. So when you go back into chapter 4, verse 3, 
It says, into their own desires because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Verse 5 says, so, but be watchful in all things, endure affliction, and do the work of an, of an evangelist to fulfill your ministry. So you see, this is right where we're at. And some people may be going somewhere and say, you know, and I've heard a lot of people, uh, matter of fact, I've talked to a few and I'm not going, because I'm not on here. I know it sounds like, well, all they're doing is bashing churches. Uh, I'm not. I'm not bashing. I, I am the most pro-church pastor you'll probably ever, or preacher you'll ever run into. I love the local body, the local church. I, I am so for it. But there's other places out there that call themselves churches that are not preaching the word of God, because they people with itching ears have went into them and they're preaching what they want to hear because when your ear itches, you're going to scratch it. When you get scratching it, it feels good. As you see, that's what they want. If they preach what I want to hear, then I'm going to brag on them and tell them how good they are. I'm going to pay them good. We're going to treat them good. And then that church grows so big that like you said earlier, Josh, there's no relationship. You know, it, it does become a form of religion. You know, I, I like what uh, one guy said was religion was our way of trying to get to God. Relationship is God's way of getting to us. You see, in a relationship, there's going to be things I don't like. There's been times my wife told me things about me that, I didn't really care to hear. But in a relationship, I have to set myself to a place to where sometimes the things I'm going to hear is not going to be pleasant. It's not going to make me feel good, but it's going to make me want to do better. Yeah. You know, and when you get a relationship, it means that you're not always right. It's not all about you. And in Jesus he wants to bless us. He wants to prosper us. He wants us to have those good things, but you've got to be willing to do what his word says. And, you know, there's the church that I was talking about before I went off on that little rant there, um, and I'm not going to call it out because it's, it's a very large church, but I'm hearing a lot of people say that have come out of there that they, they they went to church there, and now they're coming out going, I just, I need more. I, I'm not getting what I need there. And it just seems like we have a little church, and then we just go right into stuff that the world does. And they said the lines are beginning to blur between what's holy and what's worldly. And, you know, I think that's one of the things where the Bible says, be in the world, but not of the world. And I think to appease the world or to draw attention to the church, we, we've skirted too close to the world, and some of them didn't pull back. They just stayed right on that line to say, how much of God can I keep but still look like the world? You know, I, I want to be a part of the world because it's fun. I want to be a part of the world because uh, that's the, the end thing to do. But yet, how much 
I want to keep a Jesus so I don't go to hell. You know, and I believe yeah. that's what we're being taught today. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I, I mean, it really, it's, it's kind of, it's befuddling to me, you know, like, yeah. I, I just have a hard time understanding people's rationalization behind it. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, I, I like to keep things simple in my own life. And I feel like that's where we get some kinds of disconnects sometimes is people just don't keep it simple. They make it too complicated. Mm-hmm. It's it's the word of God, um, it, it, and so that should be our guiding footprint for us to walk in, for us to act in, for us to love in. Yeah, you know, and it, it, these are really simple fundamentals, and, and I wish all believers would follow up underneath that instead of getting caught up in all this stuff. There's so much in other things in the world that you can get caught up in. If you're on the news all the time, it's doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Find something else. Quit listening to it. That's I mean, I turn it off. I don't listen to the news. I yeah. find, if I want to find news, I get my news from another source, and I look at it real quickly, but I don't stay in it because I'm telling you, man, it's disheartening mm-hmm. for everything that you listen to. Yeah. You know, my my obligation as a Christian, number one, is to God, to me and God, is to my wife, and then the second part of it is, is to my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's in that order. God, wife, kids. And then my my last accommodation to that is to my immediate family. And then from that beyond is to my church. Yeah. You know, all these other things fall behind and we put things before God and, and, and to, or we put God to the side and we try to accommodate it. And yeah. It's a, I see it in people's lives. It's a juggling act. Yeah. They're always consistently juggling. You know, they're throwing stuff up to see what sticks and what don't. And and that's why they're in the turmoil that they're in. That's why they're, they're in the sin that they're in. That's why they're living the lifestyles that they're in. They're not happy. They're frustrated. And I'm telling you, the only thing they can do is, number one, is have that lasting relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Stay, on, stay on the foundational truths through the Word of God and stay in it. Stay in it. Find something. There's too much information out there that can help motivate you in the Word of God. There's the podcasts like these. There's other podcasts mm-hmm. that we can recommend if anybody has any questions about that online. There, there's little pamphlets, booklets that you can read. There's so much information out there. Yeah. That I'll be honest with you, you're, you're spiritually stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you if you if you don't if you don't use the tools that are in, in front of you. Yeah. You know, you're just, you're, you're spiritually stupid. And I'm not calling anybody stupid that's watching in right now, but I'm just saying that the, the, the excuses are, should be gone. You should just know, you should know that you can have that relationship, that you can act upon that relationship, that you can live a life to the fullest extent. God said he come to give us life, to give it to us more abundantly. Yeah. That's the, the God kind of life. If you look up that word, that's Zoe. Zoe means the God kind of mm-hmm. life. Yeah. That's not my interpretation. That's the life that he wants every believer to have. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it makes no difference if you look in the scriptures and you see where Jesus healed. What if he just gave them back their disease? Yeah. What kind of God kind of life is that? Yeah. Yeah. What is the what kind of God kind of life is that if he just he wants you to be broken poor because he feels like that's what's going to get you closer to him. He don't need your money. He don't need anything but a relationship with you. Yeah. That's the currency that flows uh, in in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. The rest of it's just um, things that we can do to help help us. Yeah. Not to help him, it's to help us. Yeah. 
the the worship is to help us. Yeah. It's for us to acknowledge that there's a, that there's a creator, there's somebody higher, there's you know the son, there's the Holy Spirit. So these are all things that I think that I just see that people get so bombarded with, and they overcomplicate things. And we need to quit with the overcomplication of things. We need to get very simple, very basic, and keep our lives as simple as possible instead of being drugged down, uh, again, being deceived by the enemy on all these things in, in life that really don't matter, really don't matter. Yeah. A new car, a fancy car, don't matter. Mm-mm. You know, that thing's just going to continue to get miles on it, and it's going to wind up, you know, depreciating as you continue driving it. So these are things that, that are, are temporal in these perspectives. Let's, let's, let's get people saved. Let's get people healed. Let's get people to, to church. Let's, let's let them understand the basics and the foundations. Let's live that life now. Just don't talk about it. Let's live it. Let's bring those people in so that we can see really people's lives changed by the power of God. Yeah. And we can see changes that happen. Those should be the testaments that encourages us. And I'll say this right here, because this came up recently this past week, and I, I want to touch on it, is that I've had some people that have come to me in the past, and they've, they've had some things that they've said to me that they thought that I felt about them. Mm-hmm. And this is where I just get into stupid things, but, but they never came to me and asked me, did I have any kind of issue with them? Right. And I'll be honest with you, I have no issue with nobody. Yeah. I don't hate nobody. I don't dislike nobody. Yeah. You know, my personality is a little bit quieter. I'm a little bit more introverted, but that's my personality, you know? But I'm telling you right now, as God is my witness, I don't hate nobody. And I don't have no malice for nobody. I'm not jealous of nobody. Yeah. I'm my own man that God's continually to purify and to work in. Mm-hmm. And and I, uh, I'll i stress this, that I work my salvation out daily yeah. as well as everybody else that's on this broadcast should do. Oh, yeah. I'll turn it over to you. I spent said enough. Oh, that's good. Good <laughs> preaching there. But, but you know, that's the thing is, is and, and I can't remember if it was John Osteen uh, or who, I, I'm sure if my dad's watching, he'll correct me if I get it wrong. But I believe it may have been John Osteen. It was one of them. But they said that the Bible is so simple that we've had to have help to misunderstand it. You know, and I think that's one of the things is people are so scared that serving God is complicated. But it is so simple. And when you understand the simplicity of God's word and how easy it is to just live a life serving God and he begins to to do things in your life, to bless you, to cause people to come to you, you you know, can lay hands on them. You know, we shouldn't be ashamed to lay hands on people and pray for the sick. You know, we shouldn't be uh, ashamed or scared to, to lay hands and cast the devil out of somebody. Uh, you know, I, I kind of, it, it's, well, it's funny to me, but uh, I'd like to see uh, some of these uh more progressive churches, I guess I'd say. Uh, I'd like to see a devil go in one of them places. It'd scare them all out of there. They wouldn't know what to do with it. <laughs> Why? It's because they've not been taught that all power has been given us through Jesus Christ, through the work that he does. And there, that's what I, you know, in closing, that that's my point is the church itself that is on that foundation, the chief cornerstone, that church will prevail. Nothing, like I said earlier, that the enemy can do 
will ever overpower the church. But it is time for everyone to do a self-examination and look at yourself and say, am I growing in the things of God? Have I become stronger? Am I more dependent on God now than ever before? Uh, it, you know, self-evaluate. Make sure that you're getting self out of the way and putting Jesus in the way. Because when he's in the way, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And, you know, I'm thankful that by studying the word, by staying meditating on scriptures, that I'm able to identify the signs and the times that I live in. I'm able to identify when demons or, uh, you know, spiritual things are, are going on. I can discern those things. I'm, I'm thankful that I have a confidence that I can lay hands on the sick. And it didn't say they might recover, said they shall. I'm confident in those things, knowing that no matter what goes on in the world, no matter how bleak it gets, no matter how dark it gets, that I am steadfast, stable on the word. I'm on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, the revelation knowledge of who he is. And because of that, I live sober. I, I don't live in a drunken, confused state. I'm sober-minded with eternity in view, because I know that this life is short, this life is temporal, but what I'm working for, what I'm building for is not here, but it's in glory, because eternity is a long time, and I don't want to have it wrong. Listen, I trust that something we've shared tonight has blessed you, I hope it has, but just know the church cannot be taken out by Satan. He does not have the power nor the authority. The church will always be victorious in everything that God has called the church to be. Remember to do us a favor and hit the like button. If you hadn't subscribed, subscribe to our channel, and you can watch these things. Share it on your social media pages. That's you doing your part to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ because here our desire is to see people's lives changed by the power of God. God bless you. We'll see you next week.